Hello, Magical Mamas, and welcome to episode 15 of the Magical Mothering podcast. Today, I've invited Ashley Winning on to our show to host a Magical Mothering conversation. Ashley is uh, a fellow HSP, HSP, or what we call a highly sensitive person, and she's also a fellow free birthing mom, just like me. So I really wanted to have her on because it's recently been the third year anniversary of my last free birth, my first free birth um, with my son. So I just really wanted to have a chance to have a talk with Ashley, who talks all about free birth in her own podcast, and she has her own um motherhood guidance circle the motherhood circles so I really wanted to bring her on for a chat with us today so welcome Ashley well thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your three-year anniversary for your little one thank you so much so guys Ashley guides moms who are HSP that want to free birth with extra support to feel aligned in their intuition to birth their own way. So if you're looking to free birth or interested in this, then I would recommend getting in contact with Ashley because she would be able to be have all of the right information to guide you. So um, Ashley, tell me about your journey as a highly sensitive person. Oh, goodness me. My journey as a highly sensitive person has been a long one and I can, for the life of me, I just remember being the always told I'm too emotional by my dad. Um, You know, you're too emotional, you're too sensitive, you get your feelings too hurt, you care too much, Mm -hmm. um, you need to toughen up. And so my dad's really, um, he's a manly man kind of guy. And I suppose these are the messages that he was told. Yeah. I have a suspicion that my dad is a highly sensitive person who, you know, over the years hasn't been able to express himself and I suppose he's had to mask some of that yeah um, I'm just reflecting on that now as I you know I'm 35 years of the age I am only really starting to get to the bottom of being a highly sensitive person in the last couple of months like I did explore it a few years ago and you kind of forget about it and you just get, brush it under and, and yeah. then you kind of feel a bit like a weirdo I, I you know I spend why am I so sensitive? Why do other people, you know, I confide in my friends about things and they seem to just let things go a lot quicker or easier or it doesn't seem to impact them or things that are really, really upsetting to me don't seem to really upset them. And mm. and I think, you know, I feel so alone sometimes in this world. Um, but the more I talk about this stuff and the more that I, you know, am working in this space now, um, you know, and the more that I'm researching about it, you know, I've got like three highly sensitive books that I'm reading at the moment and, you know, started to really engage with this, you know, some of the things that I had to work through, I suppose, recently has been that, that silly story of, you know, you have to be strong and you have to not show that you're weak. And that's a really, really strong story that kind of attached to me years ago. You know, yeah. don't show any weakness. Don't, you know, everything is like, you have to be strong. You have to keep going and, and that sort of thing. And it's, it's really the complete opposite for me as a sensitive person what happens is I push myself to my limits and then I'm down for a week because mm-hmm. I push myself too far yeah, and I crash I completely crash and um the one of the biggest times and the most vulnerable times that I found myself in is through pregnancy with three of my children um or all of my children I've only got three kids but through 
pregnancy is my most vulnerable and challenging time. And, and as well as postpartum and, and being a new mother, I found it really isolating and lonely. I didn't have any support. Nobody understood me. Mm. Nobody understood how I felt. I became extra sensitive and extra vulnerable during that time. I yeah. was physically not well. So I was just the worst I've ever been in my life. I had HD with all three of my kids. So, and I couldn't connect with anybody. There was no one around me in my current life who understood what I was going through, who understood the challenge that I was going through. And and even this last pregnancy, I was like, okay, this time I know what I need. I know I need emotional support. I'm going to get myself a doula, you know, and I got myself a doula. This is what doulas do. They support you emotionally and they support you at the birth. And then I found, I explained to the doula that I need extra support and I'm happy to pay for extra support if we have monthly calls or something. And I found myself not getting that extra support that I had really needed and being a highly sensitive person and being vulnerable and being a little bit, you know, not feeling well, I didn't have the courage or the strength to say, hey, you know, you said you were going to, I didn't have the strength or the courage to, you know, hold that person accountable for what they'd said they'd yeah. done. Yeah. Um, and I, I reflect on that now. I'm able to reflect on that, you know, and, and uh, look at that, Ashley, you know, six months ago or 12 months ago in that situation. Yeah. And I shouldn't have had to do that because I did have that honest conversation at the start. And the more that I've kind of um, started playing around this area, the more that I've started mm. connecting with women who feel exactly the same, yeah. who have similar challenges happening to me um, that were happening to me at that time. But also some of them are being let down in, in similar ways by doulas who they thought that were there to support them emotionally. And this kind of makes sense because if those doulas that are supporting those women are not highly sensitive themselves, they may be providing the emotional support that their college or, you know, what they think is enough for a woman going through this process, but not having that extra skill of being highly sensitive. And this is where I talk about the superpowers of, you know, being a highly sensitive person. Yeah. Um, you know, we're able to feel what other people are feeling so much more. We're able to relate to those women so much more. We, you know, we care a little bit more than other people can because we can feel it and we can really put ourselves into how they're feeling. Yeah. Um, and so it was really hard for me to be like, why don't they care? You know, why did they, do they not care about me? How could they leave? I was really upset and I felt really, um, uh, I felt like really let down, um, yeah. like they'd done some cruel act to me in that moment. I was really, really, really upset. I can kind of reflect on it now that it, it wasn't personal. Was this during um, your birth or? During my, uh, my pregnancy, yeah. yeah. So it was the emotional support that I needed during that pregnancy um, mm. that was really, really challenging for me. Yeah. So it's been an interesting journey and, um, you know, I figure it's more, really important for me to put my skills at use. And there's been, you know, I've been working in this space for since about 2017 now. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, really now connecting with highly sensitive women. It's like, yes, this is my tribe. These are my women, yeah. my language. And so it's really hard when you're talking to other women and they're like, yeah you know it's not really a big deal to me and you're like what and then when you speak to you know a hsp it's like okay that was the missing link for me you know i really wanted to work with hsp women yeah definitely can relate to that i mean i remember when i was pregnant with my 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 last baby who i 
ended up freebirthing and searching for somebody that could actually understand how I needed to be supported was so hard. And that's why I ended up just doing it with just my family at home. I didn't have any doulas or any additional support there because I just, after interviewing a few of them or just talking or even just me reading their energy, you know, just feeling into them, I was like, nope, nope, nope. And um, it was just really like that energy of, there's the stages for me is that feeling really alone and feeling really unsupported and then having to switch out of that, what I would call as my victimhood and being like, you know, you, nobody's here to help you is that reclaiming that power of, all right, I've got everything I need within. And like my husband was a huge support for me within my birth. He was my, my support person. He was here with me. Um, But my biggest strength came I remember it so clearly it's just digging down into into what felt like into the earth and bringing up strength of ancestry of deep feminine power from within and just knowing that that's what I needed to get through and it and it's um a big shift when you can be able to reclaim that power from within yourself and know that you have everything that you need already within you to move you through. So it, it would be so um, important to have a guide that could understand that level because so many people that I spoke to would just be like, no, I don't, don't understand where you're coming from or how you could possibly do that. Um, so yeah, to have... Um, somebody there throughout pregnancy and your birth that can actually feel into your energy and what you're intuitively needing is so important to 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 stop those feelings of you're alone you're unsupported and nobody understands you it can really feel isolating yeah and I think you know it's important that you mentioned that victimhood as well because you know talking to the women that I've spoken to recently, you know, a few of them felt that they wanted to kind of overcome that victimhood feeling as well. I think, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we find ourselves in that and we feel really powerless. And I don't like the word victimhood or victim or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that some, I found that some people um, use it as a way to kind of, you know, maybe narcissists kind of use it as a way to kind of diminish women's um, feelings and that sort of thing. But there is a space where we do sometimes put ourselves in a bit of victimhood and we feel, you know, poor me and it's, you're down there and you're really low, but then when you can kind of find that strength and pull yourself out and and get what you need, that's when you do feel really powerful. And I find that doing that is through um, making clear boundaries. So that's one of the things that I work with women is, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, that person's doing that to us. And then when we work with our boundaries, we realize that we actually have a bit of power with some of that. And we can kind of say, actually, this behavior is not acceptable and I'm not going to accept that. And so if I was able to kind of navigate some of those boundaries for me, I could have easily I say easily (laughs) it wouldn't have been easy for me but it probably would have been a much better journey for me if I was able to articulate clearly to um you my my support team what I needed yeah 
I can't say what would have happened in that moment or at that time, but um, at least would have made it a little bit clearer for me for my next steps um, rather than kind of sitting through six months of feeling lonely and isolated and alone and feel like I have no choices kind of thing. So those Mm. are some of the things that I really focus on now is those boundaries. And I think especially women in the birthing space, those boundaries are really you know blurred because you know a lot of the women are coming from hospital systems and we're all in the system and you know we don't really have any boundaries because we're told this is what you're going to do this is what's going to happen to you you're going to come back in two weeks you're going to get on the scale and I'm going to weigh you you know I'm going to put my hand up your vagina and it's like yeah that self sense, uh that sense of self and that individual you know what you have here and everything that you are is taken away from you kind of like stripped it's yeah. just like you're you know in jail and you have no rights and everything and uh you know they talk about informed consent and it rarely happens um yeah. and I think this really starts to happen I've started to really you know see this now in the schooling system mm. um now that I've started to unschool my daughter and you know you hear some of these stories and you think it really starts to happen there you know when the child has to kind of beg to go to the toilet and put their hand up and ask for permission. And, you know, it's the way and the language that we're kind of taught from a very young age. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My daughter, we were just talking about that yesterday and she was shocked that kids at school have to ask permission to go to the toilet. She's like, do they, do they ever say no? I said, well, sometimes they do say no. She's like, how could they say no? Yeah. (laughs) She was shocked because she's never been to school, but um. I was, I was going to ask you like what you were saying there about the informed consent and the boundaries is so interesting because I felt like I had um, a lot of my power stripped away in my first birth, which was a hospital birth where I did everything that they said and things didn't go the way that I had in my head um, because I just had to go along with their plans. And then with my second birth, going into yeah. that being like, all right, these are my boundaries and this is what I want to happen. And then it not going that way either. And I'd be like, well, I went in there with my power and they still didn't listen to me. So then the third time it was like, all right, you know, stuff follow you. I'm doing this my way. And, and that's when the free birth occurred Well, not occurred. It was very consciously planned, but um, yeah, yeah, just that, that standing up for yourself and then feeling like, oh, the system is not actually supporting my boundaries. Nobody's going to listen to me. I have to take this yeah. back myself. So important. That happened to me. Yeah. Like my first birth, I was the good girl. I went along with it. C-section, yeah. trauma, uh, you know, concerns. Second time, I'm going to advocate for myself and have V-back. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. I'm asking for these things or I'm telling them I'm doing these things. And, you know, it was fight, 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 anxiety, crying, mm. trauma, trauma, trauma. It was just horrible. And at 37 weeks, they, they called me up and they said, yeah, we're just going to, we're not willing to take you on as a patient. You mm. have to go find another hospital. And just because they couldn't get me to do what they wanted me to do from the beginning, nothing had changed with my risk or anything. And it, you know, they have their boundaries, they have their protocols, what they're willing to do. And I think, you know, there's a lot of like informed consent flying around in the birth world and the birth culture and no is a complete sentence and la, 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 la. But, you know, let's be honest, like you've got to realize that you know, they're only going to do what they're comfortable with. Like they talk about informed consent. It's kind of like a bit of a smoke screen in a way. You can say, no, you can't touch me. Mm. But in that environment, 
it's like as if you were talking to a narcissist you know I'm not saying they're narcissistic but I'm saying you just wouldn't go around those people you know if you were setting healthy boundaries you probably unless you had to because they're your family Mm -hmm. and every Christmas you get together you've got to have strong boundaries but you're going into that environment as a vulnerable person pregnant not feeling well anyways they know this about you they know the times and I've had a doctor say to me we'll discuss this later on and we'll have that fight later on is actually what she said to me and I said to her that's exactly right it's a fight isn't it unless you that's your words and she's like oh well uh, uh, I mean mm. and I'm like exactly because you know like you guys do this and you know that at 37 weeks I'm more pliable I'm going to be tired you've already said it to me a million times and dead baby dead baby and dead baby Mm. and I let me tell you I heard it a million times I was like a shaking like a uh, I was like a person in asylum like every time I went in there it was a a nightmare and and they talk about prenatal care and feeling safe and and you know getting all the nourishment and everything but what was my baby actually getting except for my nervous system like completely shutting down and and going like it was in I was in like danger you know Mm. as if I was in the wild and a big panther was behind me kind of thing because that's how I felt I was you know nervous and shaking and scared and I felt exactly the same Um, and that's why I you know we free birthed Um, I wanted Mm. to have a home birth I couldn't find a midwife which is very common for VBAC women um especially if you've had two, it's pretty much almost impossible. And so, so many women are in the same situation as us and they find themselves, well, the only way for me to have power and the only way for me to birth safely the way that I want to is to do this at home. Yeah. And then free birth is the option because we can't find um, the right you know, a midwife to support us. So we can't afford a midwife or, you know, those sort of things. So, but that doesn't help this, the, the fact that we still want that support and we still wanted those things that we wanted. And so then what happens is we're in an even different situation where we then can't access support and medical support and things like that, because, and that's what I'm hearing when I'm, and it was in my journey as well. You know, I called around numerous midwives and I think independent midwives, they'll support me, la, 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 la. Yeah. But then what happened there was, they had their fear like, oh my God, you're free birthing. Oh my God, you know, mm. well, you should worry about this, this, this. And then I was getting it from them. And I was like, oh my God, I can't win. I can't, um, I can't get the medical support that I want because yeah. they're worried about their insurance. And I understand that. Um, but- something that came out from, from my journey that relates to this, Ashley, as well, is something that we've spoken about before is the, the witch hunt because a lot of what came out of the woodwork after I free birth successfully is all of the people that would have supported me <laughs> you know all of the people coming out of the woodworks and saying like oh I would have helped with that I'm a midwife that would have supported that off the books and all of these different people coming out of the woodworks doulas that um in the time we're saying, oh, I don't really feel comfortable. I don't have the insurance to support this, da, 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 da. But then uh, and afterwards, all of the doulas that would support it coming out and saying like, I'm so, you know, so I'm proud of you and everything like that. But what we've spoken about is the witch hunt that everybody feels so scared. And all of these radical birthers are in hiding because we're so afraid of being persecuted for being radical birthers and doing things outside the box and so everybody's hiding and we need more voices that are talking about the strength of this and the power of this to how it can go right and how it can actually lead to less complications 
um, with than the interventions have, because we need to make it such not so much a taboo subject to talk about, so that there is more support out there. That's that's a strong belief that I have. We need to stop hiding. Absolutely, and um, you know, it's one of those. It's it's a really tricky like situation to be in as well because you bring out the naysayers and the, and the witch hunt does really happen. Yeah. I wasn't really hiding when I was pregnant. I was, I was pretty open and honest with people. Mm-hmm. The people that I knew already kind of knew, I was already saying it before I got pregnant. This is my choice is what I'm doing. And they kind of knew. So all of my friends who were doulas and that, cause all my friends are doulas and midwives and things like that, they were all really supportive of me, but still when I kind of confided in them I couldn't and this is what I found from talking to other women like me in the same situation is that and and you know as I'm working with women in this space is Mm -hmm. that um they are holding back a part of themselves because they don't want to they can't talk about their real fears so you know there's a lot of fear that comes with birth let Mm -hmm. alone free birth and when you're taking that radical responsibility is that you can't really talk about the fear like if I'm talking to my birth to all a friend who works in a hospital who's got her own trauma and sees all of these things happening I can't go oh but what happens if this happens and like and then she'll get nervous for me because she's really worried about me and the baby and she's kind of trying she's trying to support me but at the same time she's like holding on by a, a thread on you know wanting to kind of grab me and hold me and bring me into the system kind of thing and and you're kind of really aware of of that as well um Especially being a HSP, you're going to be. Oh, yeah. 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 And you know, they're being supportive and you love them so much for it. But at the same time, you can't, you know, how far you can kind of push it. You're like, okay, you know, so it's like you don't say anything to anyone that isn't supportive. But then when you've got those supportive people. So my husband was a really great rock for me. He was he's really calm and chill. And he's the one that was, um you know, why don't you just birth at home? We'll just do this on our own. You can do it. And I was like, really? I haven't even had a vaginal birth before. And he's like, you'll be right. It'll be fine. I'm like, but what if this goes wrong? He's like, me, it'll be fine. I was like, how can you be? He's like, what will be, will be. We have no choice anyways. Like, I was like, oh my God. Um, And that scared me as well because he hadn't done the research. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as much, you know, because a lot of the time it's the partners who are asking those questions. So, you know, I find that with the women as well, that, you know, either way you kind of do, because if you've got a supportive partner who hasn't done the research and doesn't know the same things that, you know, because as Freebeth as we're like, you know, researching so much stuff and we know all of this, that this and this and this could happen, which yeah. kind of makes it worse, but at the same time makes you feel a little bit calm about it. Yeah. And so I was like, you don't even know what to do if this happens and you don't even know about this. And he's like, it'll be all right. And I'm like, I felt like I was really alone because I had no one to really confide in, in, in those conversations. And, and somebody else mentioned to me, a pregnant woman who I'm working with, she mentioned something that I thought, yes, that's a wonderful word for it. Toxic positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Really ripe. I find in the free birth community and, Mm. you know, like women going for support and, you know, ultimately no one else can tell that woman what to do. Um, you know, and which is why it's good to work with somebody one-on-one because then they know your whole, your story and how you are and that sort of thing. But go into these spaces to get support. And it's like, just tune into your intuition. You'll be okay. It's going to be all right. And you're like, but you know, Mm. is it like, I don't really know. I kind of need a, you know, and it's like, 
you're always told to like kind of just tap in your intuition, which is fine. Yeah. But at the same time, there's kind of like this toxic positivity because we're never kind of talking about the thing, you know, deeply about those things. And as HSPs, we love to talk deeply about things. We love to have that real connection with somebody and be our true selves and let it shine and, and sit there and, you know, say all the things that we think, not that, you know, the little surface level kind of stuff that often happens in those Facebook groups because you don't want to put yourself out there because if you really put yourself out there and, and mm. someone jumps on you, then how will you kind of recover back from that? You're kind of under attack is yeah. kind of how it feels sometimes. I know that processing fears was the biggest thing that I had to work through and that's what I've carried through into my work that I do with women today is that yeah a lot of the work that I do is processing our fears processing the stories that these fears or conditioning have come from and a lot of it can be from this life our childhood the way that we were um, raised and it can be about generational fears or stories that have been imprinted into our family line this is why we do the ancestral healing and generational lineage healings um, and these types of work because processing our fears is all about embracing them is we can't ignore them we can't brush over them we can't wash them with positivity and make them clean again we need to be able to embrace them give them the love and attention that they are craving and just with anything that came up when I was free birthing, anything that came up as a fear or a fear from my husband, even I'd be like, all right, well, let's research it. So then we'll know if anything comes up as a sign or a symptom or something that comes up as a feeling that isn't right, we'll know how to act on it straight away and what's the best course for us. And so we, we just researched about everything and I was sending him papers and be like, read this paper. And he'd be like, it's so long. And I was like, you got to read it. You got to know you've got to be on the same page. And, um, but that just researching your fears is the biggest thing. And that can be so, so scary because who wants to spend all of that time looking at what scares us the most? But yeah, it's the way that we unleash from what keeps us burdened with fear. What holds us back? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good to have an answer. Like I'm a problem solver. So I like to have an answer and also understanding our fears as well. Like mm -hmm. you said, I'm always looking at why do I have that fear? You know, mm -hmm. is it, is it something that I'm worried about or is it something that somebody else has kind of said, or is it because I saw it in blah, blah, blah's birth? And what is the actual percentage of that actually happening to me? And I'm, am I okay to take that risk on them? Kind of like you said, when you're researching and you're looking into it, you kind of say, oh, well, it's like 0.001% risk. Okay, well, I'm happy to take on that risk. Yeah. And that's a really good way of kind of moving through that fear. Um, mm -hmm. You know, being, there's, there's obviously lots of different ways to move through it and processes. And that's kind of what I help um, my clients to do as well, you yeah. know there's so many fears, there's so many things and there's so many things that we don't even realise as a fear or so many things that are kind of hiding in there that we can't articulate or we can't uncover but we just are worried about something and, and this usually comes in the form of 
I just want a healthy baby. I just want my baby to be born healthy. I just want everything to go to plan. I just want everything to go the way the textbook says is what I hear a lot yeah. of the time. I just, I don't want anything bad to happen. And so at, when you're at that point, you're not even able to articulate mm. um, some of the deeper fears. And so being able to uncover those mm. deeper fears and really getting to the root of the problem um, and un, un leashing and you know releasing those and working through those absolutely it's really important absolutely yeah I completely agree and you even touched on um the the sentiment of your grand like your father or your grandfather being that 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 lineage of highly sensitive people running through your family line and the way that they brought you up with you know you're being too sensitive you've got to be tougher you know all of these different things they get imparted onto us and so I think that in the work that you're doing you're breaking these cycles not just from what the the um, messaging that you've received or the conditioning the stories that you've been handed down to put up these safety measures to protect yourself as a highly sensitive person but now you're transforming it in the birthing world and helping people to break these cycles so they can reclaim this power in themselves and and birth because so much comes through from the energy of how we were birthed. So when you're changing the way that people are being birthed mm. into the world, you're changing their whole energy setup and breaking cycles from that very that very entry point into this earth side living. So I think that you should, yeah, be very, very proud of the work that you're doing, Ashley. And um, yeah, really happy to support you and let anybody know if you're if you're in this space of wanting to know more about free birthing, then please contact Ashley. Um, she is your your lovely support system for all of our highly sensitive people that are listening and needing some extra support. So thank you so much for coming and chatting for me with me today. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to chat to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'll have all of the links where you can find Ashley's details in the description. So come and check it out. Lots of love.